Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Farida Javala Romero, and for Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we'll get an update on the Biden administration's decision last week to admit up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees to the United States. Plus, we talked to Reina Grande about her new novel, A Ballad of Love and Glory, all about the San Patricios, a battalion of Irish soldiers who fought for Mexico during the Mexican-American War, and how that so-called forgotten war reshaped the U.S. and had a profound impact on Mexican-Americans. Join us after this news. This is Forum. I'm Farida Javala Romero and Fermina Kim. In the face of an escalating humanitarian crisis in Ukraine, the Biden administration announced last week it's planning to admit up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees and other refugee, refugees fleeing Russian aggression into the United States. At the same time, U.S. officials are also under growing pressure to stop using what's known as Title 42, the Trump-era policy that has led border officials to turn away and expel thousands of asylum seekers and other migrants, claiming that it's to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Joining us to give us an update on both of these issues is Deepa Fernandez, immigration reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome, Deepa. Arida, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. And if you, our listeners, would like to join the conversation, email your questions about either of these policies now to forum at kqed.org or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Deepa, the war in Ukraine has already displaced about 3 million people. Tell us about the significance of this news that the U.S. is offering to accept up to 100,000 refugees fleeing Russia's invasion. You know, it's critical that a country like the United States joins the rest of the world um, at a moment like this. And and I think what some people we were seeing right when the war began was that Ukrainians obviously fled their country and went into neighboring countries. So so European, Eastern European countries, especially like Poland, uh, for either, are, are bearing the, the the brunt of the refugees streaming out of that country, which, as we've all seen, is is no place for anybody to live right now. And so, so Eastern European countries, you know, they're they're taking in. I think Poland has taken in two million refugees to date, 
And, you know, it's it's not easy to get to the United States from, from Eastern Europe um, when you're in crisis. But Ukrainians began arriving at the southern border. And initially, in, in the very early period, they were rebuffed. We began to see stories on social media of Ukrainian families at the southern border, at the San Isidro port of entry in Tijuana, being turned away by border officials because of the policy that you mentioned called Title 42. You know, and there was a, a minor upcry, uh, outcry. We saw, you know, um, immigrant rights groups and attorneys be able to really highlight their stories. And then on March 11th, Alejandro Mayorkas, who's the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, issued a memo. And, and that was giving his border officials or, or reminding them that they had some discretion to allow some people in. And that's when we saw that Ukrainians were then, by and large, allowed to cross into the United States, whereas so many others at the southern border were not. Mm-hmm. And you've been reporting on that in the last couple of weeks. Um, so what have you been hearing from advocates and migrants themselves about this, you know, uh, different treatment of Ukrainians and um, and Russian dissidents uh, and other migrants from Central America, from Haiti, who've been camped out there for, for months or longer or who have already been deported under Title 42? Yeah, it's, it's a very complicated situation. Um, and when I was down there, you know, there was a group of, of Russians who were camped right at that border gate. And and there's like this small patch of concrete and there's a long line. Um, you know, if anyone's ever crossed at that border, you can picture like there's, there's lines and lines and lines of cars that snake across the border. And then there's this one long line of people who cross on foot every day. And those are usually people who are coming into San Diego to work or to go to school. You know, it's a, it's a, pretty um, rapid system. They all know to have their IDs held out. They, they pretty much just file right across the border showing their ideas. They do that. You know, there really isn't space. So, so when someone comes up like a Ukrainian family or anyone else for that matter and tells the border official, I don't have ID and I want to cross the border, what I saw and what, um, you know, advocates have reported over the past two years is they're generally just rebuffed. They're just, they're just waved away with a hand not not even really given a chance to say anything. And mm. I I was standing right there with this group of Russians who was told the same thing. They were they were waved away. No, you cannot enter because of Title 42. But they decided they weren't going to go anywhere. So they set up camp right on that little patch of concrete. And, you know, I arrived at the border. They'd been there a couple of days. They had, you know, Mexican officials um, had given them some some blankets and some picnic chairs, and they were allowed to stay. Now, first of all, most migrants are not allowed to stay. They get moved on. But this group of Russians was allowed to camp out there. Um, and their reason for doing so was they, did, they, they, they really wanted to get in. They felt if they went to a shelter like they were being pressured to um, in, uh, in Tijuana, that everyone would forget about them and, and they wouldn't be allowed to leave. So, so it was kind of an act of civil disobedience to stay right there um, and and eventually they were allowed in. But what was what was really interesting, Farida, is, is I saw multiple people, but including this one woman who came up. She was from the Mexican state of Guerrero, and she approached the border guards, and and you could hear the desperation in her voice. And she told them that she was 
she was fleeing cartels, that she'd had a gun held, held to her head. Um, I was standing there. I, I, I could hear all of this, um, but they just waved her away. You know, it's basically like you don't have a visa. You're, you're, you know, with a hand, she was waved away. So she, she kind of backed up a little bit and, and increased the volume, her volume and said even louder, I, I can't go back. I'm, I'm escaping Guerrero. And, but it was just too busy. No one was paying her any attention. Um, and then some Mexican officials basically said to her, oh, you, you should just go to a shelter. And then she said to them, I have children. I can't. The shelters are dangerous. I'm, mm-hmm. I, can't go, I can't stay in Mexico, basically. And they just kind of shrugged and they said to her, the borders are closed you're not going to be allowed in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's what a lot of advocates have been saying for a long time is that people are not even being given the chance right. um, to be able to say, I'm fleeing something very dangerous. My life is just as threatened. And I think what it comes down to is this question of, do we allow some people in because we deem what they're fleeing to be legitimate or, or more dangerous than what other people are fleeing? Mm-hmm. So what are the main arguments that, uh, you know, uh, advocates and others are uh, trying to convince the Biden administration of to to stop using Title 42? I mean, we know it's been thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, including many asylum seekers who've been turned away uh, from the border at this point. De- definitely in the hundreds of thousands, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and. There's very good data on this, but but what people are trying to say to the administration, um, you know, there were big protests last week, a week ago today, actually, last Monday, because it marked two years since Title 42 was implemented. And I, I, I know KQED covered those protests. Um, there were also protests in Tijuana, um, where a lot of the, the, the groups... Um, who, who are helping the migrants who end up getting stuck there and the migrants themselves, they marched to the border. And, and what they're saying is, is international law allows us the chance to tell you why we're fleeing. Um, just being able to cross in is not a ticket to being able to stay. You actually have to go through the immigration process, which means making a case for asylum before an immigration judge. Right. Um, that said, um, you know, as as KQD has reported a lot, as, as we as we have reported at the Chronicle, the immigration system is so backlogged that you know it, it's it's one very hard to to make that case before a judge, but it's two it's just even really hard to get in front of a judge. So, part of what the Biden administration is doing, in a way, is continuing this pandemic era policy, which uses public health and says it's it's too dangerous for the spread of COVID for you to come in. But it really appears like a double standard because if we can let some people in, then why not let other people in because of COVID? Um, but it, it also appears like the, what the administration is doing is saying we can't add more migrants coming into the country to try and claim asylum. We're going to choose who gets to come in to claim asylum. Um, and, and so I think it's the it's the inequity right there of of or the or the disparate way in which this policy is being implemented. Mm-hmm. It's really come to the fore with with the war in Ukraine. Um, you know, and 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 I'm just very quickly. I even you know met multiple people and heard people as they were crossing in point out that it's not lost on folks that while obviously Ukrainians have a big need, they're also a more privileged group um, as as are the Russians. They're they're Eastern Europeans. 
there, um, you know, many people commented on the fact that the white migrants were allowed in, mm. but all of those who were black and brown were pushed back into Mexico. So, you know, I think the administration really has some serious questions that they have to answer here when it comes to the fairness of how this policy is being implemented. We're talking about the Biden administration's decision uh, to admit up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees and uh, the Biden's uh, administration's border policies with Deepa Fernandez, immigration reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. Deepa, how has the administration responded so far to these questions about um, the different treatment of migrants at the border and who is allowed to come in and request asylum, which is an international right, by the way, um, during, you know, this era of the pandemic and Title 42? So I have um, gone back and forth, excuse me, I've gone back and forth with White House, with a White House spokesperson over the last week, you know, and they're really sticking to a statement that, that, you know, is brief. It says, as such, anyone attempting to enter the country unlawfully, regardless of country of origin, will be subject to border restrictions, including expulsion. You know, and, and, and I put to them, further questions and said, I I understand this, but what I'm trying to tease out and what I would like you to respond to is the fact that some migrants are being let in and there is a perception um, of racism. There is a perception of favoring those from Europe over many people from, from Muslim nations, from African nations, from Central and South American nations, from Haiti who have been Mm -hmm. expelled. Um, the White House is not, they, they have pushed me to the Centers for Disease Control, uh, Disease Control, the CDC, which is the one that has authorized this Title 42 policy and to DHS, you know, and DHS just says it will continue to grant exemptions to quote unquote, particularly vulnerable individuals. So they're making choices, mm-hmm. um, though, though there, there does appear to be a March 30 deadline coming up in which the CDC, it's been reported that the CDC on March 30 will decide if they're going to keep Title 42. Thank you so much, Deepa, for coming on to Forum. We've been talking to Deepa Fernandez, immigration reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle. Up next, uh, author Reina Grande joins us to talk about her new novel, A Ballad of Love and Glory. Thank you, Deepa. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. 
New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.